if my children get a hundred dollars from grandparents and I'm saying you have to give at least one dollar, I will tell you that they do not question whether that is fair because kids are selfish. They have to be. That's what their brain is telling them to do in order to survive and grow and test the limits and boundaries of life. But when they hear the stories of things and people that could use their money and they see how small it is relative to what they have, they don't put up much of a fight, which is interesting. And it goes to show you, which I think all of us parents learn somewhat frequently, that our kids are capable of more than we think sometimes. Hello there. Welcome to the Thriving Family Podcast. It's Teresa and Barbara, and we're so happy you're here. We're grateful that you're taking the time to hang out with us in a supportive space to fill your cup and elevate your life. We are here to remind you that you are amazing and you are needed and that you are the rock star of your family and household. Consider us your cheerleaders and all things that bring joy into your life. As your friends, no subject is off limits. We have conversations with amazing guests and experts in all areas, including awkward subjects that not a lot of people talk about. Anything from finding your joy and inspiring possibilities to anti-aging tips and spicing up our sex lives. And relationships, self-love and confidence, especially relating to school-aged and older kids. If you're at the baby, toddler or kindergarten stage, check out the Baby Bumps to Littles podcast. We're your friends and your community because we're on this journey together. It takes a village and we're here to remind you that we're never alone in parenting. This podcast is made possible by amazing listeners like you, and we provide new content on Tuesdays and Thursdays every week. Follow us on Instagram at Thriving Family Podcast for daily reminders and fun ideas. Subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Leave a review and share it with someone who needs to hear it. Let's get started creating the life we want. Happy National Philanthropy Day. It is. It's today, November 15th. And we are so excited that we have the best on to talk about philanthropy. And that is Meg George. She's phenomenal. And she wrote a book and she's going to tell us all about it and kind of why she did it and how important that is to our kids and our family life and how being grateful and doing for others will get them out of the give me's as I like to call it, where they're always thinking about themselves or something from themselves. This is a great way. And we are so excited about this episode. I hope you get a lot out of it and enjoy. Meg, you are beautiful. And I can't wait to talk about all the magic that you're doing. Oh my gosh, a book, your book looks amazing and it's coming out in November. And I love the topic it's about because we are all for all things thriving. And I truly believe that teaching kids from a young age of doing things that are bigger than them is the best way to raise grateful can-do kids. So tell us about your book. I want to hear it all. Thank you. I am very grateful for the compliments and for you to ask me about it. So my book, What's Philanthropy to Philomena, which I know is a mouthful and will be for some children, is really born out of the very same idea that you just said yourself, which is if we empower kids to think about how they can make the world a better place, they will make the world a better place. And I want my own children to grow up believing that. So as adults, that comes really naturally, and that's exactly what they do. And I realized I want all of the kids who can get their hands on this book to feel that way and learn those very same concepts. 
So it chronicles a little girl's journey of learning about the word and the idea of philanthropy and really questioning whether a child can actually be philanthropic and generous and actually have an impact on the world. So she has a series of conversations with parents and her brother and another family member and ultimately is faced at the end of the day with her own opportunity to be generous and realizes that it feels super good. So philanthropy is not just this ginormous word. It's a feeling and we can all unlock it. That's my story. I love that so much. And it's, I know people are listening, so they can't see it, but it's so beautifully illustrated. And I think it's such a great idea to get to the kids, especially at an age where parents are reading to them. So it inspires both parties, because I think it's an idea that a lot of parents want to do. And sometimes they don't know how to start that journey with their child, what age to start it at, if it's too heavy, you know, and so anything to kind of plant that seed is awesome. And the way through a children's book is light and a nice, perfect introduction. And I also want to dive into how you do this with your kids and the varied age of your kids. And so people at home can start really implementing that in their own homes. Sure. My kids are five and seven. And I also have two stepkids who are teenagers. And so we really can see this through many different perspectives, a teenage boy is just not thinking about the world the same way as a five-year-old girl is, the same way that the, any of the parents are. And at the end of the year, we when most people actually are thinking about their charitable support, their philanthropy, we are too. And we try to bring a couple of options to our kids. So we present them with three nonprofit organizations that we think they'd actually be interested in. And I choose them based on my ability to articulate what they do and why they do it. So if I know that my daughter is a huge animal lover, I will throw an animal nonprofit organization into the mix. My kids can see how other kids live, you know, in our community or in this world. So I try to bring something else that is marginally relatable and then something that exposes them to a new idea. Last year, that was a asylum seeking center in Western New York, which is the biggest center actually in all of America in Buffalo, New York, who accepts those seeking asylum and really relies entirely on philanthropy to be able to do that. So that was the third option. It was ultimately what my family chose because we have a discussion and we vote on just one place to pool our resources. I'm a philanthropy advisor, and that is absolutely what I preach to my clients. If we have $50 and we give a dollar to 50 nonprofits, it's pretty generous of us, but it's kind of hard for each of those nonprofits to accomplish something with a dollar. But if we choose one nonprofit and we give them $50 and they say, you know what, this could buy 10 meals today and I just had a family come in who needs to be fed, think about how impactful that $50 was. So we tell our kids how much we plan to give. We tell them they have to give something. It's required in this family, even if it's just $1. They usually come up with more than that. And we decide on one place. And the story, I'm including the specifics because it really opened up their eyes to the fact that people would even be seeking asylum and what that means and what's a journey to our country mean for those people and for donations and 
it sparked a lot of really interesting conversations. And I also noticed that they were far more mindful throughout the year of other people who need help because that really clicked with them that they were giving money to people who really needed it. So I love the idea of having your kids give money when you're giving money, but deciding where you're going to do it together. Right. I love that too. And having that conversation. And then it's this other connection point that you guys have as a family. A lot of people just kind of, you know, I think a lot of us donate, but we just do it and we don't tell our kids, we don't involve them. And so do you then take part of their allowance or birthday money and then that's how they contribute or how do you structure that? We're lucky that my husband has siblings and family members and I have siblings and family members and they have grandparents and they do get money for their birthday and we celebrate Christmas. They get money for Christmas. We usually make a decision around Christmas break. So the expectation is that they would give something from what they've been given. But I'll tell you at the end of the day, if my children get a hundred dollars from grandparents and I'm saying you have to give at least $1, I will tell you that they do not question whether that is fair because kids are selfish. They have to be. That's what their brain is telling them to do in order to survive and grow and test the limits and boundaries of life. But when they hear the stories of things and people that could use their money and they see how small it is relative to what they have, they don't put up much of a fight, which is interesting. And it goes to show you, which I think all of us parents learn somewhat frequently that our kids are capable of more than we think sometimes. Yes. And that they can handle those conversations and that they are just so heart forward and aware of other people and such. I think they're born such empaths that if you spark that, that they can continue with that even through the teen years where a lot of lines get blurred. I think (laughs) so. Yeah. And then do you ever do things in like flip? philanthropy work in person, like physical, go, you know, do a feeding the whole day or anything like that? Yeah. So on November 5th, um, our family will go to a place. I live in West Palm Beach and there's an organization called Quantum House. It's sort of like Ronald McDonald House where families will stay while a child is undergoing some kind of medical care, waiting for surgery, post-surgery. And They charge very little for the families to stay there, but they do promise them one hot meal a day. And when I went and met with the executive director, I said, how do you budget to feed sometimes 85 people one hot meal a day? I know what it's like to feed four people or six people. And she said, I am so fortunate that it's not really a part of my annual operating budget because businesses and family members in this community, in the city of West Palm Beach, donate the meal pretty much every single day of the week they come together. So our family is signed up for November 5th and my husband is Lebanese and his whole family loves to cook. And I said, you have to make dinner. He said, great. I'm thinking of ideas. I said, it's for 85 people, (laughs) but that'll be fun for my kids too, because When I was there, I saw these beautiful children who are, you know, they're on crutches, they're in wheelchairs, they have their siblings running around, helping them get stuff and color. And the families are really forming a community. And I'm very excited for my kids to see that and be a part of it. That's so neat. And I I know that the couple of things we've done uh, with my kids 
that it's so helpful when they're doing it in person and they either get to see the person, the recipient, or that they see what's happening to get to these people that are in need. And again, sparking that conversation and inspiring them and how much it brings the, you know, their parents of how important it is as a family value. And I love that you bring that up. I like when I read your description and you put impactful philanthropy, I was like, oh my gosh, that is one of my words for this year. And I love that you put a feeling with what it is because it is such, it it just paints the perfect picture of what you're doing and having a positive effect on these people. And I I just love this so much. And it inspires me to do even more with my kids. I love that. I hope it will. And I want to say that I live in Florida where you can drive one mile east towards the ocean and see homes that are $30 million. And I can drive four miles west towards the center of the state and I can see full communities who are living below the poverty line. And the expectation cannot be that every single person in our country can give away money. They can't. I accept and know that not everybody's in a position to write a check when they get an appeal in the mail or choose with their family their top philanthropic priority and decide what their gift will will do. But I try in the book, this children's book, to also show Philomena the simple actions, the choices that she's made that do make the world a better place because you never know what position you'll be in in the future. And if it feels ingrained in you and ingrained in your children that little activities do good and make you feel good, you almost feel selfish signing up to do more things or give more money away or, you know, bring your family around more activities because it really is so fulfilling that you want to keep doing more of it. So philanthropy has been this big word reserved for Bill and Melinda Gates for a bunch of years. And I want to say to anybody listening who's like, okay, well, I don't have all the resources to do this, that we all have time and we all have something we can give. And if we can show our kids that philanthropy is about loving the people and things around us enough to try and improve them too, we can find a way to do something. Yeah. And they say that doing something for others, since you brought that up, it raises our serotonin levels so high that it's like the quickest way to us feeling better is doing for someone else, which I love. And also I I talk to parent educators and I think a lot of complaints with parents are, you know, when our kids get the case of the give me's or they just want and want and want and how to counteract that. And she said gratitude. And Mm -hmm. I feel like doing for others and seeing that and being impactful is the quickest way to gratitude. And so it's like, in turn, you'll get more grateful, less of the give me's. It's like all symbiotic and does amazing things. And so just that added inspiration of what else it does is helpful for parents too. um, Yeah. Gratitude is tied so closely. I know growing up, I grew up in a very average, you know, Irish Catholic middle-class family in New York. And my parents would get frustrated because I'm one of four and we'd be fighting over something and they'd be like, you need to be grateful for that. And then of course I'd be like, I do. I don't, I don't know, you know? 
And I think about it a lot because with my own kids, I'll try and remember to sneak in stories like, you know, this water like tastes so good. It's so clean. Can you believe that there's some people in the world who don't have this? And they're like, what? But it's so true. It's kind of hard to like teach gratitude. I think about the word all of the time because of what I do. It's tied so closely to philanthropy and it feels like that scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. When you lead with gratitude, you see how much more there is in the world for you to have and take and be grateful for and give versus scarcity feels like it's very much lacking gratitude. Yeah. And I just am so, I know Teresa and I just love talking about because values of a family and connection. I just see this as hitting that so much as well, because I think, you know, you get going as a family and that you just, you, you might have sports or you have this, or you, you know, you have your extended family, but this is like one of those foundational pillars of who you are and what you stand for that I think is like that awesome tether, even when they leave your house of bringing them back and giving them that foundation when they go forward. I, I just think this is huge, even like diving more into it and talking more into it. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, it's just, it is so impactful on a family. I love it. This is so warming my heart, every part of this conversation, and it's hitting on so many different levels. There's, I have I have so many takeaways already just from the beginning of this episode, but I love, Meg, how you mentioned the lessons learned because I'm at a point now with my kids, actually, where they're constantly, even last night, my oldest, who's 13, mom, everything has to be a lesson, doesn't it? And so... <laughs> I, I actually see so much value in the exact same thing that that you were just referring to. And I actually have to figure out a better way to, I think, day to day go about, you know, teaching and talking about the lessons and, and all the things like whether it's gratitude or what have you. And my kids go to a school and the slogan of the school is something along the lines of, helping kids to become extraordinary citizens. And it's very much based like holistic, like helping whatever, whatever your cause is, right. It's, you know, whether it's the environment, they're very conscious of that and, and animals and all the things. And so this is coming together completely for me. And I, I'm curious to know, especially because you were talking about philanthropy being such a big word. And I know so many people are like self-proclaimed philanthropists and I get it. And a lot of the times it's like, yes, we're just, you know, throwing money at this, that, or the other thing, but there's so much more to it at a fundamental level of just understanding that we're all one and bringing that, that help and that gratitude and, and sharing even that with others, right? It, It can be a feeling and it doesn't have to be money that you're throwing at something. I'm curious to know how you decide when you have means, when you would spend time and effort, that type of, I guess, uh, tangible currency in a way versus say something you would throw money at. Because, you know, sometimes you sit on a board of directors for a PTA meeting or, or whatever. I know Barbara's highly involved in that type of thing. And that can take a lot of time up, right? So people are juggling and they have day jobs and they have all the things. So I'm curious to know how you you balance that. I'm interested to know more about your story how and how you got into it, but but just how you balance, I guess, those priorities, right? Yep. Yeah. So I advise for my job, I advise nonprofit institutions on how to 
be really strategic in securing funding that is meaningful and will drive impact and outcomes. And I advise families and individual philanthropists on how they can be extraordinarily strategic with their giving, their their philanthropy, so that they're driving outcomes and impact exactly as they articulate that they would like to as an individual, a couple, or as a family. What's interesting when you are someone with means who is in a position and has the heart for being philanthropic, because there are many people who might be in a position to be philanthropic at really tremendous levels. Any of us could cast that opinion, but we can't convince anyone to give their money away. So I always remind everybody that this is kind of like a luxury. It's a privilege, I tell my kids, that we have enough that even your $5 is going to go help somebody who just got here terrified in the middle of the night from another country. What an honor that you get to do that. You're in that position, but people have to feel that 90% about of households who are considered high net worth individuals in America are philanthropic, but it's just about half of households in America, generally speaking, are philanthropic. So we can see from the data that we pull that those of means fortunately, tend to be really generous. And how do they find where they're going to give their money if they are, like you're saying, thinking about their time and their talent as well? And what I really like about my job is that I can say to an institution, don't just go ask Joe Smith for a million dollars. Ask Joe Smith for his reaction to your vision as an organization and ask him to read the vision and react to it. Joe Smith might say to that nonprofit, I love buckets one and two of your plan. They really resonate with me. I've lived in this community for years. You're spot on. Have to be honest with you. I wouldn't give my money to bucket three. Here's the reasons why. That organization has the chance to take a potential big donor, a a key stakeholder in this community and in this mission and say, do we want to pivot a bit? Is Joe on to something with this? Go to 10 other people who might make a big gift, use their philanthropy to make your organization better, and see what their reaction is. If most of them are saying something along the same lines, you might want to second guess what your vision is. Because what they're giving you right now is a little bit of time and a little bit of talent. Successful business women and business men are smart and they're busy but that doesn't necessarily make them sophisticated philanthropists. By going through the process I'm describing right now, you are actually making them a more sophisticated and effective philanthropist because you're giving them a seat at the table. So I want the organization to consider if they do need to adjust anything to their vision because, hey, none of us have a plan if it's not a plan that can be funded. Otherwise, it's just ideas. So if you're trying to raise money, and you're solidifying a vision and a plan to do that, you need to know how it's going to get paid for. And if that's through donors, those donors need to buy into that plan. So you can kind of engage people really meaningfully with an hour of their time here and an hour of their time there and their talent here around how they thought about their own business and their talent here around how they might revise a vision before they give you a dollar. Because by the time then that you ask them for a million dollar gift, it's not just throwing their money at something. It's an investment in a cause that they really believe in because maybe they even help shape it a little bit. 
And on the other side of that, like as a family, I'm already thinking about, okay, so holidays are coming. What a perfect time to really start doing this more. We've done things in person and volunteered and done that stuff, but uh, like monetary wise, what is the best first step for a family? I love that you said your daughter's really into animals. You picked three. Um, so should I come to the family meeting with three options of like, Hey, and then let's vote on it and do that. And then the other question is, I think a lot of us get a nervous about some nonprofits where is it really making an impact or is it just going to the overhead? And how do you decipher that on this side? Okay. I'm so glad you asked this question because I have to also say that my children similarly go to a school that's pretty globally minded and trying to make good human beings. I'm very grateful for that. And I'm working on a project right now with the 10th grade class. So some of the proceeds from what's philanthropy to Philomena will go to the 10th graders at a school here in downtown West Palm Beach, and they will make one gift together as a group to a cause that they've vetted, that they've deemed worthy of that money. So I'm teaching them how to give money away. I'm giving them the money, but they're already thinking about how to double the money and who else to ask. And they said to me in the first meeting we had together, how do we know if they're spending the money the right way? And that is the best question because what we all have the access to do is contact the nonprofit ourselves and say, hey, my family is thinking about where we are going to give a gift this year. And I don't care if you're talking about putting $40 together or $580 together, you have every right to ask how they spend the money that they raise. Two things happen when we're talking about family kind of gifts at these you know, reasonable monetary levels. One thing is that an organization could say, we try to raise a million dollars every year. Your gift would go into that pool of money. It's completely flexible money. We do use it for operations. We can't give services to homeless people, animals, uh, scholarships to students, unless we can turn the heat on, turn the lights on, pay someone to clean this place every night after we leave, um, water, whatever it is. Some places might say, we're in a good position with making sure that our organization or our building is kind of humming and running smoothly. And we're trying to raise $5,000 right now to buy computers for all the kids who come here after school. It's the only thing our after school program is really missing. And it's critical to them being able to do their homework. You then know that your money is going directly into a what I'm going to call a restricted pool of money that's being spent on a project. So I just told the 10th graders, find the person who heads up fundraising at six nonprofits. Ask them, how would you spend the money if I just sent you $1,000 tomorrow and didn't tell you how to spend it? How would you spend the money if you do have any special projects going on where I can feel like it's super impactful and tangible and can see the outcomes of my money? And I'm going to go back next Friday and hear what they found out, which I'm so excited for. But I, I encourage families to do the same thing. I love that too, because it's, um, then it gives your kids and the whole family, then you're invested. Then you're like, oh, and then you follow up and you're like, did they get enough for the computers? Like then you're engaged instead of just totally. sending 
check. You are part of the picture and the impact. And so I've never thought to do that. And I mean, I do ASPCA because I'm an animal lover and have cried at the commercial every time it comes on. I mean, did they, they nailed it. Sarah McLaughlin singing. I mean, and the animal, I, I'm just, I'm in, I'm like, how they nailed it. but yeah. with the kids and being, having them part of the research process, I love that you're doing that with the 10th graders. That's so awesome that they get to, and that they're doing the research and everything like that. And this is just a big question I've always had because I mean, anything that's going on, you're like, well, is it really going there? And I know. It's really hard. Like part of why giving is down in our country is actually because of a lack of trust. We just don't feel like we really know how anyone is spending our money. We're worried what the government is saying and doing. We're worried what national nonprofits, what universities. We're worried about the what feels like a mom and pop shop nonprofit doing a program. Who's holding these guys accountable? It's like we're so worried about whether we can trust anybody that the best thing we can do is ask questions. And there's a real give and take between giving to organizations that are national, like the ASPCA and like March of Dimes or any of these organizations that are really well known and national, and giving to what our industry calls hyper-local giving, which is investing in nonprofits that are kind of standalone right in your community. We see a lot more of that post-COVID because there was such anxiety around our communities being able to thrive during and after that really treacherous period of time. But people are particularly curious about national nonprofits. Should the CEO really make that much? Do they need all these employees? And what I say to that is, yeah, if I have 5,000 employees and 400 centers around the country or the world, and I'm servicing hundreds or tens of thousands of people every year, I might ask for that big of a salary. So we don't wonder if a big corporation should be paying their CEO $600,000. We think, of course, that person should make that much money. But why do we question it so deeply when it's a nonprofit? They're a business and we actually really, really need them for our world to function well. There's so many nonprofits that we don't even realize are bringing a service to our community that we reap the benefits of. So let's pay our people well. And when we give a gift, not get bent out of shape about how much money they spend. Let's just see if they actually are impactful, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm, I am on the PTA I'm <laughs> president this year. And I was just thinking of, like you said, local and community and things, it is surprising how many people in your own like circle are struggling. And so like we are, I think we hear about it first on the PTA, but there is a local clothes closet. And with winter coming, there's so many jackets that are needed. And they're saying that the donations are really low. So I, I think that'd be a great place to start for my kids because, you know, their $30 can buy two coats or one coat, and then they're bringing it, dropping it off physically and seeing that I was just thinking of what we could do. Um, and, and then they're like, oh my gosh. And then it makes them when they put on their own coat, go, wow, I have three to choose from this kid has, you know, now this one, but I mean, even talking about it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so drawn to it now because, you know, it just brings up that gratitude and that you're like, what you are buying is going to go keep some, I know, get warm. You're bringing up something that's like 
really interesting, I think, for us moms, which is my first instinct is to say to my kids, you're not even using that. Like, of course, you can give that away. You're not using it. But philanthropy is more than that. It's like, what do you also just feel like someone else would love and cherish and benefit from so much? Don't ask yourself what you're not using. And I try to incorporate that into the book when Philomena is pressed to give away some of her things. Because at first, she's like, all these things. I'm not even using these, of course. And then she's like, gosh, my family seems so happy about what they're giving away. And I love these things, but I want to feel the way they do. And she does give those, some of those things away. And she does feel the way they do. But kind of easy for us to be like, you don't even play with these toys. Go get five toys you don't even play with. We could donate them. But that's a good start because it's way better than giving away nothing. And I think the next lesson for our kids is like, let's not think about what we don't need. Let's think about what someone else does need, which is why I love your jacket example. It turns the question a little. Yeah. And I think especially for kids, I myself, probably a giant child, but I am so tangible. And and so it's neat to, I think we can do multi, you know, and send checks and get involved in research and call as well. But I think because you brought up community and there is so much, even in, you know, upper middle class, like there's still people that are struggling or need help or things that you can do that are in your vicinity that your kids can actually like then tangibly see and do. So yeah, I, I I'm just motivated. I love it. <laughs> I love too that it's it's in a way what you're passionate about. Like I took a leadership program once and it was very community-based, local. And the focus actually was more, they called it the human venture. So it was Focusing on the biggest problem, what are the biggest problems in the world globally that will help humanity just as a whole? And we were trying to na- ultimately nail down, you know, solutions to those problems first and focusing kind of larger scale. But then, you know, I've served on boards of directors where whether it's learning and English isn't your first language and you come to our country and the support system for the not-for-profit is literally helping, you know, immigrants come to the country and and teach them how to speak English because they're like, it's sort of like death by a thousand cuts. And I remember I came in sort of less passionate about it because it hadn't hit me directly, but the people that were in the room were so passionate about it. And to them, it was like, well, this is the biggest problem. And this is, you know, this is literally death by a thousand cuts is what, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I see that. Like, and you know, my kid's grandma, she makes quilts and the organization, they make quilts for the beds they're giving away to children. And my kids are like, it's hard to believe that there are children that go to bed and they don't have beds. Yeah. Like that doesn't I even think- make sense. And, and you know, and they could be right down the street, like you were saying earlier. And so I love the passion behind what you're doing, right? Like the feeling, and you mentioned it earlier on, right? It's what is resonating with you to give, whether it's time or a little bit of money or a gift to something that matters to you that could benefit someone else. Yeah. Or or maybe it's a base level, like you say, I don't use this anymore. And it's also beneficial for someone great. Exactly. Yeah. Either let's way. not complicate it. You mm-hmm. bring up something that I really love, which is how do we solve some of the biggest problems first? You might be listening to this podcast on your way to Starbucks and you have like 14 sports chauffeuring things to do this afternoon and you work and you're trying to order whole foods. And if that's the case, like I'm about to join you at 4:30 in that same life. And you know, you're not thinking about solving the world's problem. 
But if I can have one moment to brag about these 10th graders again, something that they said to me again in our first meeting was the mayor came and spoke to our school. He told us that homelessness and workforce housing are huge issues in our community. And one brilliant young woman said, do you think we should think about donations for those things first if our mayor is saying they're the biggest problems? And if that doesn't prove to you that teenagers are capable of connecting dots and being insightful while compassionate and strategic, nothing else could, but we don't have to solve the world's problems. And yet we also can say to ourselves and our kids and our spouses, what's the biggest problem we want to solve? Because as a family, a PTA, a community, it's right on to say, we want kids to show up with a jacket on every day. Okay, then let's take action. It's like more is lost by just not doing anything or not making a decision than indecision. You're not wrong. If the coat closet ends up with twice as many jackets as they need, you can take a few years off of the coat run and you move to another issue in your community. I love the idea of starting with a question. It's like, what are we trying to answer here so we can take action from there? Totally. And I love that if you take a question, so say landfills and you know the environment, it sometimes it can feel so big, but then you take it to, okay, well then is your school doing a lot to, you know, recycle? Do you, what do you think about this? And getting curious and implementing stuff that they see or that they can do at a small micro level because it still has a huge impact. And because I do feel, at least for me, that sometimes the problem seems so big and what am I, what is my like either $50 or my like exactly going to do. But if it's on that smaller, like right in your immediate circle, it, you can see more and you can you have control. So I, I think it's just so good for us to paint the picture for those listening that want to implement these in their households and kind of are just like, what's the first step? We pointed out so many good ways and also inspired me to do more because you are so inspiring. So just a good way of people like, oh, I, I have now four options that we can do. And I think this is such a perfect time of year to be of service and to be impactful. And I cannot rave about your book enough because I love that getting them when they're young and raising these kids that are connected to all everybody and how they can help and be of service to be, have that connection with everyone that there isn't this disconnect. It's like, what do you need? What can I do to help? How do I make this better for you? Those are the kids we want to raise. We want to raise good human beings, like you both said, at your schools and everything. At the end of the day, that is every parent's goal. And this is a huge way to get there. And it just like makes my heart so happy to have this conversation. Thank you. I'm so grateful for the compliments and the solidarity and raising really good people. I think our kids are going to thank us for it. Yes. That's what my mom's famous words were. You thank me one day. <laughs> I love this. Okay. They actually only did, these were the two places you can donate, but for our wedding, we do not want gifts. We're donating. You know, I've heard of wakes, funerals, that kind of thing. People doing, you know, just donate, don't send flowers, all the things you were talking about the grade 10 class. I love that. Anything else around that where we can sort of just give a checklist for more, even more ideas for families, because this is like everything, like you guys were saying. Yeah, I love the birthday thing. Uh, we're going to do that this year for our son's 
eighth birthday, but I told him it needs to be a really specific thing we ask people to bring. One thing I want to say is people, we can't assume people know what we're talking about. So if he chooses, there's a a private school for kids, only impoverished families. So they rely 100% on philanthropic support for kids to have access to the school. And they're like, you can't imagine how many parents come at the end of the week and say, my kids had the best week of their lives. Do you guys have any pasta or soup we can bring home for the weekend since they're not going to be fed here on Saturday and Sunday? And something like that specific where I'm really lucky because they're a client of mine and I have access to that information. But any of us can pick up the phone to five or six places and say, give me a list of what you need. Do you know how many places might say, we just need garbage bags? It's not in our annual operating budget. We're hosting all these families or these kids or whatever. Um, We need, if we had 200 boxes of pasta and bottles of sauce to send home with these families, you can't imagine the elephant that would take off of our chest. It is simple. It is not complicated. And when you send an invitation for your child's birthday and say, please just bring boxes of pasta and cans of soup for this exact organization, we will get it there. We can't thank you enough if this is something you can pick up. I find people always pretty much do it. I tell my children, like, I will get you birthday gifts. Don't worry about that. Come with me. You'll drop this off. This will feel so good. Because again, like, I'm a realistic mom and my kids are like, mom, I want to get birthday presents. And I'm like, you will. But I think just feeling like you actually can handle what something, what a place needs is the first step. So doing that for birthday parties, calling nonprofits and saying, what do you need? organizing through your kids' school or sports teams, like especially so many of my friends' kids travel on these sports teams where they're spending thousands of dollars and going to hotels and doing things. Well, at the end of the year, pizza or whatever you're doing, like what if everyone just brought baby blankets because that's all the NICU needs and the foundation at the hospital doesn't have enough money to get them. By calling five or six places and understanding like, what do you spend money on for donations? Do you have any projects coming up that a gift of $40 or a gift of $3,000, wherever your family falls, could be impactful? And what are three or four items you really need? You would be ecstatic to see my car pull up with a trunk full of. Take notes on those things. Have them in your arsenal. When you start looking for opportunities between schools and sports and uh, book clubs with other moms or a wine night. I told my husband, I was like, I want to get like 10 moms from the school where we go out to dinner and we have wine, but we all agree that the next time we have dinner, we will bring like a thousand dollars or whatever it is that we can afford. And we will make a gift together of $10,000. I mean, can you believe how much that could possibly impact an organization, that amount of money? It's like, what if it's $10 and you give away a hundred dollars and it's a nonprofit that literally only needs $400 a year for soccer equipment. That's all they're trying to fundraise is inner city kids to play soccer. It's like you just raised one fourth of their budget. So I think the more questions you ask and the more you write down and file away, you're going to see more opportunities to give. That is fascinating because so I just joined a strategic advisory board and that we would have had a strategy session right off the bat. And at first I was like, why are we going through this big, long overview about this organization? So I'm like, I could have read that and watched that video before, blah, 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 all the things. But as we got into it, 
we learned all these little tidbits of information that you would not have otherwise have learned just by like even reading or listening and watching a video or YouTube or whatever it was. Because for instance, National Institute for the Blind, literally old cell phones, phones you don't even need, use, want anymore. There's literally garbage and you're like, oh, I can't throw this in the garbage, can I? They program them in such a way that it helps it's specific for blind people to support them. That again, everything you're saying is just coming full circle on so many levels. Like things that are coming up for me is just so huge. And I know everyone listening will have the same personal stories like, oh, that is such a good idea. And that's why I'm like, tell us more about any other good ideas. Because again, you learn so much, I think, even by thinking back to your past experiences and coming full circle on, oh, this is how I can help. This is what I could have done. This is what we should do going forward. And just, just bringing it all together. So yeah, sorry. I just, I no. really wanted to share that because I'm like, it's a oh great my gosh, example. Like such a light bulb going on for me, like such a light bulb moment. Yeah. Just call these organizations, find out more yeah. about who I would have never thought. I mean, I would never think to do that. Right. I know. Well, none of us would, but we're all wondering if we can trust them. And it's like, the best way to find out if we can trust a babysitter or anyone else is by asking them questions and meeting them. So let's treat nonprofits the same. That's really cool about the cell phones. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I like the printout, like people can get that. And I love the being specific too. I mean, even with holiday parties or anything, I think it inspires other people. They're like, oh, they're doing that. That was pretty easy. I could do this here. I know I called a local animal shelter. Yep. Animals again. And to see what they needed. And it's just random things, you know, instead of you just going to buy all this stuff, they were so happy with these specific things that they needed that were, you know, like I like that you said, the garbage bags, whatever they need, you just get them. And, and then also you can, you know, be resourceful every, I always say you're one degree of awesome. So it's like, you're one degree of knowing someone that might work for a company that has a bunch of stuff that you could then connect the dots. I mean, what a awesome thing that is, you know? So like you said, once you get in the world and once you're in that, you start going, Oh, you know, and just doing all that, but it's just first thing. And I, just I'm so grateful that we could paint the picture of how people can start implementing this in their worlds. Because like you said, I think there's been some negative connotations when people are just sending checks, they don't know where it's going, but really starting on that micro level where your kids can see the impact more and doing it as a family, creating those core values and that foundation as a family for your community, for acts of service that will make your kids more grateful, that will give you less of the the give me's when, especially before the holidays, what a perfect time to do this. Yeah, I hope so. I think so too. Thank you. And is your book available before Christmas? Yeah. How do people get your book? When is it out? Share. Okay. So my book is out November 15th, national philanthropy day, which is not uh, by any means common knowledge, but I happen to know it. And so it aligns perfectly. And it will be available on my website, megtgeorge.com, as well as on Amazon, where many people buy many things and you can add the book to your haul. And on our site, um, the book will have a really nice like dust jacket on it, and it'll come with a bookmark that uh, has Philomena on it, and it'll come with a little note card 
So if you are buying it as a Hanukkah or Christmas or birthday or New Year's gift for any child in your life, we can add a little note to him or her so that they can be inspired to, by your generosity of the book, um, to go do something great in the world. And I really, really, really hope that teachers and grandparents and parents and nannies and aunts and uncles will all feel like they can kind of cuddle up at this season where we're thinking about being generous and learn themselves. You know, I did not grow up in a community where people use the word philanthropy. In fact, I had never said the word myself until I was graduating from college and faced with getting a job in that very field. So I want to level the playing field. And this is a book for children, but it's a book for all of us too, because when we kind of need to recenter our kids and you're looking for a book to read in March on a Thursday night before bed, and it's been the gimmies and you're looking for something to do, I hope Philomena, the image of her and her name reminds people of that word philanthropy and the idea that we need to think about what we can do for the world. So good. Oh, I love it. I love it. We will definitely be ordering it. Oh my gosh. She really is just so beautiful inside and out. Like what a gorgeous human being all around. And her story, I know for baby bumps to littles, we'll be sharing the food allergy and all the helpful tips and tricks for helping with food allergies. And anyone who knows anyone with littles, definitely go and check that one out. But as for the main topic that we wanted to talk to Meg about, which was philanthropy, kids in philanthropy, her amazing book. Barbara, I have so many main, like major takeaways. I want I to start with you though. What were your key ones? I think just loving that philanthropy, just making it like a, a common word in your household and how you can use it as a family to really connect and have it be a core value and something you do together. I love that you can have that conversation of what you decide as a family to do and researching it, having the kids be involved in it and really starting from that square one as you know, whatever age they're at is the perfect age and you can do it. And especially this time of year, which is just easier uh, because it is giving and teaching them what it's all about. And I know that parents will get out of it as much as kids will. So as you're showing, you're learning and doing, and that, that really hit me on like being inspired to do that in my own house more with them. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I liked that there were so many ideas that she gave for how Mm -hmm. to do it. Because I think when you think of it, like she was saying, like, philanthropy it's it's almost elitist sounding right and like she was talking about you know Bill and Melinda Gates like that's just what it's always been associated with and I think that when you bring it into a broader scope and you make it tangible for people and just say this is just really recognizing that we're all just part of the same ocean and we're just waves in the ocean and we're all just supporting we're all just one and supporting each other and just I loved that. And I also loved the just or aha moments just from my past and some of the work that I've done for not for profits and, and even, you know, currently that I'm working with. And it just came so full circle for me in terms of really understanding why you would choose the cause that you choose. And again, it doesn't have to be big and, you know, 
international focus. It might just be something that resonates with you that's at home in your community. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't, I mean, maybe it's you're making sandwiches or what for lunch or whatever the thing might be, right? So I think making it uh, relatable to who you are, your family values. And this goes back to what you just said. I just, I think that's huge. Like that relatability, the relatability and what you're passionate about and what your belief system is ultimately. Yeah. And then how much is needed on a micro level in your community. And I love the being specific, contacting those places in your community and saying, what do you need right now? And it could be simple, but they, they do need specific things and they don't want more coffee. If they have a million, you know, if they have a ton for the food bank, that's local or whatever, but they will let you know, because they're, that's what they're going after. So I love doing that. And then especially that tangible piece that your kids can be like, Oh, my $30 bought this jacket. I can go deliver it. And maybe they, they probably won't see the kid that gets it, but they know that a kid in need will get that jacket that really, I think will resonate with them and inspire them to do more of it. And that there are so many ways, whatever your bandwidth is, if it's time, energy, uh, money, whatever it is, you can be doing something as a family. It and yeah. even doesn't have to be a monetary give. It can be so many other things and organizing, hosting something where everyone brings something, whatever. I just love painting the picture of all the different options. So everyone in their own households, wherever you're at, you can be impactful. You can get this. And also what it does for kids is it honestly makes them more grateful, which in turn doesn't like takes away from what drives parents mad, which is like the, I need this. I want this. The give me's, especially this time of year when Amazon's sending out their catalog or whatever. And they're like, I want everything in here. You know, we were just flipping through that a day ago, literally. And my daughter's like, I didn't know they had this. And it was just, I was like rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, every year they send this thing out. But I want to get back to what you were saying in terms of understanding what an organization means and fun fact I love this because like you my daughter is an absolute like animal whisperer like loves 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 that's that's her passion thing at the age of like 14 or something there is a job and just to go in and volunteer to pet bunnies oh wow that's awesome. and so so I'm like oh my gosh and they're saying too kids are having trouble getting into universities and post-grad degrees and all those things if you don't have the volunteer experience. So your work experience is great and that's fine, but there are all these other things that like, my daughter would love to go and pet bunnies. She's actually just not even old enough. Like if she could do it now, she would, right? But again, there's these baseline things that we can be doing and it is so easy and it brings everyone involved joy. including cute little bunnies. Like, are you serious? I know. And I love bringing our kids in and I know I can do a better job on this is in on the conversation and the decision because they feel seen and heard. And that is so important at any age for our kids. And so just really starting the conversation and saying, okay, we want to do this as a family. Is there anything that you guys are interested in? We can start doing the research. Like, do you want to do animals? Do you want to do kids in our community? What do you, what sounds good and helping them like supporting them, leading the charge and having, you know, teaching them. I, it just makes me so excited and inspired and just 
Ah, oh, I'm excited. Thank you again for joining us today. We know how many other things you could be doing, and it means the world to us that you're here. We hope you always get something valuable from our podcast and that you feel supported. If you have a question for us about our content or anything else, please leave it in your review of this podcast, or you can send us an email or DM us on Instagram. We're here for you, so let us know what topics would be helpful and that you're interested in. You can join our membership by clicking on the link in the show notes. You are never alone in parenting, and we're here to support you at every stage. If you know anyone that would be inspired or supported by this podcast, please share it with them. We provide content every week, so please subscribe wherever you're listening from. If you leave a review, you'll have the opportunity to win a gift that we absolutely love. We're so excited about this giveaway. We only introduce brands to our community that align with our values, and Barbara and I both love the Now Tone Therapy System. This yoga for your mind is one of the most simple ways to relax, relieve stress and anxiety. The creators recommend listening twice a day for only three minutes to receive these benefits or to listen as often as you like. And if you buy them, there's a risk-free three-month trial period. What we like best about Now Tone Therapy System is that it's something everyone can make time for. My family likes to listen first thing in the morning and at the end of each day. It's the easiest and most relaxing path to mindfulness daily. We'll link to this amazing product in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time.